The Lord is your portion. Wait on Him. The Lord is your portion. Wait on Him. Christ Mass, that's what it is. Christ Mass. It's about worship. It's about worshiping Him. What a privilege. What a privilege. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for your leadership. Welcome home, Michael Brown. Love you. God bless you. Let's give glory to God, can we? Yeah, good morning. I'm Pastor Michael. Glad to have all of you today. I uh, spent my prayer time today with many of your faces coming to mind and just thanking God for this body and what a privilege it is to be a part of this body. I was celebrating knowing that there were people here setting up this morning before I ever got here because they have said, we'll set up, you maximize your prayer time. And uh, I just give glory to God for that. I'm really excited today to begin a new Bible series with you this morning. Come to worship. Come to worship him. It's actually taken right out of the historical record of that very first Christmas. Matthew 2 tells us, and we sang about it a moment ago, uh, I'll bring an offering. Uh, and uh, the wise men, we tend to think of three of them based on the gifts that they, they, they brought. The, the wise men, in their search to find the Christ child, ended up at Herod's palace. And that's a story that's resonating in my spirit even now. But the but they say in the scriptures to King Herod, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have, what are the next words? Come to worship him. There it is. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> what does worship mean to you? Really? What does worship mean to you? What's it all about? <clears throat> Why don't you just take a minute and think about that. And then maybe if you're sitting next to someone, just say, hey, what does worship mean to you? And just talk about it for a minute. Okay? If you're by yourself, you can just think about it. What does worship mean to you? What's it all about? So what are some of your thoughts? Anybody want to give us one? Something that stood out in that short time? What's worship all about? Loving him back. Where'd that come from? Cool. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Did I hear another word? Worthship. Awesome. Worthship. Yeah, attributing worth towards due. Gratitude, cool. 
Ja. Awesome. And you did that with a raised hand, too. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Doing work with the Lord. Doing the Lord's work. Oh, as we go in His name, may it be worship. That motivates us. That's cool. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Yeah. Did I see your hand, Terry? Wow. Set ourselves aside, set our concerns aside in order to get our minds on him. That came from the PowerPoint guy, so if he said it, it must really mean something. <laughs> He's in control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, these are all great thoughts, and, and continue to think and ask that question, you know, what, what is worship all about? But I just want to point out right here that, as Terry said, and it might as well end right there, that these wise men didn't come to get something from Jesus. They came to give something to Jesus. Now, make no mistake about it. Jesus is the greatest gift of all times, okay? Jesus gives and gives and gives. There should be no question as to, to how God gives and the fact that God does give. But these wise men are giving back to him out of the abundance they feel they've received from him. Now, isn't that interesting? Because in the Western world church, don't we tend to evaluate our worship experiences based upon what we got out of it? Ooh. See, worship at its best shouldn't be about what we're getting, but what we're bringing. Recognizing who God is, recognizing what God does, is doing what God will do. We bring him our worship. I'll bring an offering of worship. And in bringing, there should be some thoughtfulness, some preparation. Uh, you know, it would be really awesome if on Saturday nights, all of us are saying, Lord, I want to prepare my heart for meeting with your people tomorrow. And what is it you'd like me to bring in worship, to consider that ahead of time. We were created for God. We were created for God's glory. We were created for God's praise. We were created for his honor, for his worship, to make him known. We talked about that. Lori, thank you for that very much. So in that, worship has to grow beyond just something we do to what we're becoming. We are becoming worshipers. In fact, we're literally designed as instruments of praise. The scriptures refer to our, our structure using words like pipes and timbrels. We were given, we were given pipes. We were given vocal cords and lungs to project with and to make tones with. We were given hands. We were given feet as, as rhythm instruments to, to use for God's glory. So worship has to be, it's, it's what we were made for, and it must be us growing in that as we're becoming worshipers. And while we are becoming instruments of praise, worship is best seen, as I understand it, in our offering ourselves to him. The little drummer boy wasn't about his music. It was about him offering something of himself to the Lord. And the Bible tells us that in view of God's great mercy, what's that? 
God's mercy is God's great gift to us, right? Through his son, in view of God's great mercy, let us offer our bodies. I I love the fact that it's specific, offer our bodies to him as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, because this is our reasonable and this is our proper worship. Christmas is about worship. Christmas is, a, is about Christ. It's about m- worshiping Messiah, King Jesus. It's about offering ourselves. He offered himself to us. We offer ourselves back to him. So now, in that, a, a number of the songs we're talking about um, prostrating ourselves before the king. Uh, who dares stand in his presence? And you can't help but to read about the kingdom of heaven and notice that the cherub, the angels, they, 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 they fall down before him and then they get up and praise. It's almost like they fall down and then they get up and catch a glimpse of his glory and, and, and they can't stand, so they fall down. Who dares stand in his presence? So a whole bunch of that was expressed in our singing today. So I want to talk to you this morning about this whole business of, of lifting our hands in, in worship, lifting hands in worship. Now, let's just put the worship piece aside for a moment. I want you to think again. Think together. Historically, culturally, maybe even in movies and novels such that you've read, when is the idea of having to lift hands used? Think about it. Think about cultural, historical uh, images of hands in the air. What, what are they? Think, 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 think. What? What'd you say? Heard surrender. Yeah. Something else? Protest. Protest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What was that? Greetings. Greetings? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what was that? Reaching out. Cool, cool. Today, someone posted on Facebook a picture of their great big dog. Have you ever had one of those great big dogs that think they should be a lap dog or they think they are a lap dog, right? Right? And dogs don't lift their hands, right? They don't don't, don't even have hands. (laughs) But their noses say it all, right? And this dog was saying, pick me up. I just need some love. The great big dog, you know, yeah. Reaching out. Yeah, what's another one? Voting, okay, yeah. What? Signal, okay. These are all good, yeah. Celebration, yeah. How about honoring, celebrating, yeah. That's cool. Saluting, woo, yeah, yeah. We'll try to squeak that in. These are all good. What, what does lifting hands represent? Now, oh, you still got, you, this is great. What? Did I miss somebody? Are you talking about me over here? <laughs> Well, maybe in worship, this business of lifting hands offends you. When I think about it, I think about Valerie's dad. He, he didn't use the, the, the letters specifically, but what he expresses is very real of, of PTSD. Because to him, he sees hands in the air, and it reminds him of World War II, and it reminds him of people lifting a hand to Hitler and crying out, Heil Hitler. So it, so it offended him. And, and still today, countries like Germany, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Austria, this kind of gesture, it's against the law. So lifting hands can be offensive to some. Uh, on the other side, 
having to sit next to someone who is worshiping in their, with their hands in the air could be really awkward. I mean, think about it. Maybe you grew up in an environment or, or went to a school where the, one of the rules was no PDA. What's that? Public display of affection. And for you sitting next to someone who's worshiping with their hands in the air, you might as well be stuck in a parked car with a couple that's making out. It's kind of awkward, right? Get a room. Yeah. Right. Now, others of you have, have really wild imaginations and, and a good sense of humor, so your brain starts to think of all kinds of funny things, like, oh, that's carry the TV worship, or that's carry the big screen worship, or my fish was this big worship, or the lying fisherman story worship, you know, <laughs> these kind of things. Well, one good Baptist preacher and his wife decided that they needed a dog. And so they went to the kennel, and the kennel owner, realizing that this was a Baptist preacher, said, I think I have the perfect dog for you. Watch this. Samson, go get a Bible. And the dog bounded to the bookshelf, grabbed a Bible off the shelf, brought it back to his master. Then the master said, turn to Psalm 23, Samson, the dog, you know, with great dexterity, flipped through the pages, placed his paw right on Psalm 23. Well, the preacher, that's a good Baptist dog. We'll take that dog. They brought it home, and that night they were entertaining some good Baptist friends, and, and, and they decided to show off their dog a little bit, and they're doing all these tricks, and the people are really impressed. In fact, one of the guys said, wow, does that dog do normal tricks too? The good Baptist preacher said, well, let's find out. He said, Samson, heal. Immediately, Samson jumped in a chair, put his paw on the pastor's forehead, and started howling. That good Baptist preacher looked at his wife and said, darling, our dog's not Baptist. He's Pentecostal. So some of you have a great sense of humor, and that's what you think about. But the Bible tells us that, that, tells us that what goes on with our hands is really an expression of a deeper thing going on in our hearts. And there's many places where you see this. So I want to take you to Psalm 63. Please understand as we read this that David is in a bad place. I mean, his own son has committed mutiny, and the king is hiding out in the wilderness. And he begins to give these expressions, Psalm 63, this is verse 1. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. And I just want you to look at those words, dry and parched land. Have you ever been in that place? And maybe you're there right now. If we're really honest, the holidays can be kind of a magnifier, a magnifying season, because when things are going really well, the holidays can be really great. But when things aren't going so well, the holidays can be all the worst. And here's David 
crying out, I'm desperate, Lord. Life has left me dry. I really need you. And that might be where you are. And that's okay. Because the scripture shows us that it's very real. But, but notice his worship going forward. And remember, as he gives these next words, he's in a bad place. And he says in verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. Notice God's love isn't dry. His love is better than a dry life in this world. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, read the next words. Yeah, it's worship in a bad place. It just reminds me of uh, being a student at Northern Arizona University and being so on fire for God. So on fire that I even wrote a song to my friends who had led me to the Lord. And I'm just on a mission to, to lead people to Jesus. But honestly, I think I was trying to live the Christian life in my own strength and power. Because come second semester, I lost it. I fell apart for everybody to see. And the very people that I'd hoped to win to the Lord, I'm now partying with. Partying with. But praise God, he wasn't willing to leave me there because one night in the foolishness, and I know it was about 3 a.m., right? That, that's right there in the fourth watch of the night. That's the hour the demons move. And if you listen to people who love to party, it's often we party till 4 a.m. because it's part of that fourth watch when demons, there's nothing good happens in that season, right? Yep. And, but something good happened in this season because God hadn't get, given up on me. And here I am when God comes knocking on this numb skull. And he said, Michael, you having any fun? No. Isn't life better walking with me? Yeah. He said, I want to meet you in, the, in your room. And so I took off to my room. I fell down at my bedside. My Bible fell open there. And I'm saying, Lord, I need you. I'm sorry. I need you. And, and I didn't realize what it opened to. I wasn't familiar with Romans 7, and I just started reading these words that were describing my situation. I want to do the right thing, but I keep doing the wrong thing, and just when I think I'm going to do the right thing, evil's right there knocking on my door, and then that cry, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of, of sin and death? Thank God it didn't end right there. And I couldn't believe that it resolved. Unbelievable. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And, and all of a sudden, I, I read the next line that said, Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. That's it right there. Yeah. That I just need to depend on Him. I find myself crying and laughing all at the same time. Friends, the world leaves us empty. It's deceiving. It sucks us in like we think we're going to miss out on something. But there's nothing there. It's a mirage. It's fake. It's phony. It's empty. It's empty. It's empty. And right then I had to celebrate. God hadn't given up on me. God still has plans for me. There's a good, great future. And I was lifting my hands in worshiping God automatically that's the way it was it's amazing how in a tough place 
Lifting hands in worship can help us to, to get victory even in the pit and even help us out of the pit because it gets our focus off of all those things that we tend to be focused on, right? And it gets, gets our minds on him who is able in all, in all things, all glory to God. So I'm thinking about a toddler. I'm thinking about this dog this morning because it's so perfect. Pick me up. Great big old dog. But I'm also thinking about a toddler. I mean, this, this child, um, you know, up to this point, has constantly needed to be held. But all of a sudden, here he is. He's independent and walking, and he's, he's a hazard to us all, right? Oh, no. Is your house kid-proof, toddler-proof? We're thinking about this, this stuff. But every once in a while, that little guy, you know, and not because, because of desperation. Those cries are, are difficult. But just because he just needs a little love, he'll say, Mama. Dada, pick me up. I just need some loving right now. And any loving parent loves those moments. Lifting hands, it's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of, I just need some love right now. And I believe our Heavenly Father loves it when we, like little children, are willing to say, Abba, 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 Daddy, 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 Daddy. I just need some loving right now. The Bible says, Draw near to God. You know, kind of like that. We didn't hear that one this morning. I just want to be near. I want to be, I want you to hold me. Draw to God and he will draw near to you. It's a safe place. It's a good place. It's a, it's a place of comfort. It's a place of love. So really quickly, let's just look at three of these. Okay, let's look at lifting hands as a sign of honoring. Okay, not Heil Hitler, but all hail King Jesus. Let's look at his lifting hands as a sign of defeat, I surrender, okay? And let's look at lifting hands also as a sign of victory. We're number one. We're number one. Let's just look at those real quick and see if we can be encouraged in all this. So first, lifting hands is a sign of honoring. Here we come back to these wise men. They eventually found King Jesus. You can't blame them for stopping at the palace, distracted from the star, because surely the king's at the palace and not in some worn-out old barn. And they found, when they finally found him, we read these words, Matthew 2, 11, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped. That word worship right there is the word proskuneo, from which we get our word prostrate. They literally fell down to the ground and remained in that bow state out of allegiance to Jesus Christ. This is a toddler. Jesus is maybe two, three years old. They're bowing. You realize how foolish that looked for these grown men to be bowing to this two-year-old. And that's what's going on here. It's literally the idea of humbling oneself by lowering your head below the position of the other. That's, that's what this is talking about, a symbol of allegiance. I can't help but to think about the, the king and I, right? The king of Siam, right? The king of the east. He brings a teacher from the west to educate his children. And he, he wants to make sure Anna understands how it's supposed to be. Your head can never be above the head of the king. So when I sit, you sit. And when I kneel, you kneel, etc., etc., etc. 
And so she agrees. I mean, she's going to function the way she's supposed to in this kingdom. So now he's going to test her, and, and he keeps getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. Finally, he puts his head on the ground to see if Anna will do such a thing. It's ridiculous. I know. It's an egotistical king. But lifting hands to the Lord is the same idea. It has this idea of, of lifting above oneself. We not dare stand before him. And we can lift our hands in that way. Not Heil Hitler, but I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem, the royal crown, and crown him Lord of all. You chosen seed of Israel's race, you ransomed from the fall, hail him who saves you by his grace and, and crown him Lord of all. Hail to the leader. Hail to him. It's a symbol of honoring. But let's be honest, we have a tendency to want to lift ourselves. We like to be recognized. And yet the God and creator of the universe says, humble yourselves under my mighty hand so that I might have the opportunity of lifting you. <laughs> and when I lift you, it's a whole lot better than you lifting yourself. Worship, lifting hands is a sign of honoring. Let's go on to the, the, the sign of defeat or surrender. A robber sticks his gun in your back and he says, hands in the air, this is a stick up, yeah, yeah, hold up, stick up, yeah, they both work. A criminal, right, he's, he, he's held up in a structure, the, the police give the order and say, throw out your weapons and come out with your hands in the air, with your hands up, that's right, yeah, you guys are doing good, so, yeah, this is working. Uh, on the battlefront, there's a, there's a losing side, and, and they're going to surrender. The white flag's been, in, been waved, and here they come marching out, right? Hands in the air. Well, some of you may not know this, but if you haven't come to a place of actually surrendering to Jesus Christ, then you're still operating in opposition to him. That's not me trying to manipulate you that's the word of God, that our minds, our function without the Holy Spirit working in our lives cannot even begin to understand the things of God, but instead operate in direct conflict to him. And friends, God is on the winning side. His kingdom has advanced, and his kingdom is advancing. And either we surrender to him right now while he's offering terms of peace, and he's offering conditions to enter into his kingdom as children, or we'll wait until he comes as judge, and that's not, not going to be a good time. That's not going to be a good time. Today is the day to, to surrender. Today is the day to surrender. The Bible tells us that God the Father has exalted Jesus to the highest place and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Lifting hands is a sign of honoring. Lifting hands is a sign of surrendering. Have you surrendered? One more here, and that's lifting hands is a sign of victory. We're number one. We're number one, right? It's a battle cry of success, right? We're, we're doing well. Yeah, triumph. So I'm thinking about this, and I, I had to go over to Exodus chapter 17. 
Moses is leading the, the Israelites forward to freedom, but the Amalekites are just causing them all sorts of, of trouble. They're, they're, they're raging war against the Israelites. So Moses told Joshua, choose your best men. We're going to battle. Now, I'm going to go over to that hill over there, and I'm going to lift my hands and pray while you're fighting. And, and that's exactly, exactly the way it played out. So Joshua goes, goes to war, but read, look at verse 11. It says, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Get the picture here. Image of winning, image of losing. That's what we're talking about. You may be in a battle right now. It feels like you're being defeated, but the challenge this morning here, lift up your hands to God and give him praise. He is your hope. He is your victory. He is your salvation. Take your eyes off of the problem and get your eyes onto him who alone is, who is able to do all, all things and then you say but I can't I can't I can't well I'm glad the scripture doesn't end there because look at verse 12 look at this when Moses's hands grew tired they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it Aaron and her notice what friends do held his hands up one on one side one on the other side so that his hands remained steady till sunset so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. That's what friends do. Friends hold other friends' hands in the air when they're too tired or too weak to do so. Who holds your hands up? Who holds your hands up? And maybe that's why I was celebrating faces today because of people who hold my hands up. And there's too many to name, but I want to thank God for Valerie Descoli, 34 years. Thank you, Dare. I particularly think of 1992. Glory to God for her. I'd be out of the ministry if it wasn't for her prayers. Because 1992 was the death of me. And she prayed. Yeah. You know, when we moved here, a couple moved right next door to us that have become major players in this body. They were a gift of God. I mean, how do two families move next door to each other and have a common heart. And when, when I asked the, the head of the house what his gift was, he said, my gift is prayer. Because I've noticed that when I pray, things happen. And this guy has been lifting my hands for 19 years. I want to give glory to God for my friend, Dan Clausen, who stands beside me in the battle. Because when it gets tough, we need people to hold up our hands. And this is a big part of why we gather like we do on Sunday mornings. One Lord, one team, one mission. We hold our hands up together and we worship. We come alongside each other. We don't try to fix each other. But it's like, here, let me help you. Let me help you in the fight. We grow in fellowship. We grow together because we need each other. Yeah. Where are you at? Maybe today you're just like that little dog and you're saying, or big dog, and you're saying, pick me up. I just need some love right now, huh? Maybe uh, today you're in a battle or you need some help and you 
help, please, help. I can't do this. I need help. Maybe today is your day of surrender. I surrender. Maybe today is your day of victory. And maybe, like Terry said, today is just your day to honor the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Just one more thought quickly. Did you catch the contrasting thought right here? I mean, very interesting. I mean, lifting hands is a sign of surrender, conceding defeat, and lifting hands in order to declare your win. Did you catch those? Because here's the way it works. In the presence of God, surrender and victory always happen simultaneously because at the moment that you finally are willing to surrender to him, it's then that you have walked straight into your place of what you were made for and your place of what you were created for and your place of victory in him, him showing his glory through you. That's just the way it works. So come, come. I'm gonna get the worship team up here and I want you to come, come and worship him with hands high, daddy, 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 I love you. I just need some love right now. I honor you. I surrender. You're my victory. Or you, 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 you are my God. Let's just consider this as we continue uh, to worship him together. Let's let them lead us. Praise God.